Do you ever have, you're going up and you're getting ready for a big mm. boss fight and you're looking through your inventory because you know there's a piece of gear mm. that you wanted to equip, like maybe a watch. A watch. And you just can't find it. Oh, you mean like my watch <laughs> that I can't find? Oh, thank, thanks for rubbing it in. You know what? <laughs> I'm going to log into your account and I'm going to break down all your gear and I'm just going to turn it into healing potions. Okay, that's, uh, that's what we're doing now. We're selling all oh, your okay. stuff for healing potions. You're going to have 1,000 healing potions now. Good luck. <laughs> just taking a jab. Just taking a jab this morning. Eh? <laughs> well, welcome back to Below Average Gaming. I'm Michael. This is Josh. Josh uh, has apparently lost his watch this morning, which fits because we're talking about gear. Yeah, so I've lost a piece of my gear. I'm wearing a different piece of gear than usual. It's working out, you know. <laughs> I also have a recently acquired gear from my desk. I actually bought two end tables. So now like everything's pushed oh. back a bit. My tower's over here. I'm a I'm a boomer, so there's a printer right over here, you know? And it's, I mean it's printers out. are just actually useful. They are. I'm in the starting throes of just building a new PC. I have it functional. Mm, I good. had to remember to install recording software this morning, so that was something that was definitely needed. You know, out of all the things you could remember to install, you know, what is it like? Recording software, Loop Hero. <laughs> uh, right now we're at Loop Hero League recording software. Nice. I like that. Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it. <laughs> Whatever, good enough. That's all you really need, so. Right? Yeah, so last week we talked about character progression with your skill trees and things that show up in games. And this week we're going to talk about what's generally the other half of that with your gear. And most games at this point, I think we can say do both. Most do have do. some form yeah. of, have some form of levels and some form of the gear progression. But I feel like in almost every game, one is kind of the focus. Yeah. There's definitely one that's done a lot more and a lot better, and one that kind of takes the backseat. And I don't know if there's any, like, games that actually feel like they're equally parts both, but... Not in particular. Like, some, some like, big open-world RPGs do, but not not many. And something like that's probably just, like, you know, Elder Scrolls is, like, the obvious one, right? Where, like, they're both important. Yeah, but, but it does both badly, so... Yeah, exactly. So who cares? <laughs> So you want to start at kind of the basic, what we think are just like basic, like, yes, there are gear in these games. Good for them. whoop de doo games. <laughs> yeah, sure. We can start with, we kind of have three in this category. Yeah. I know there were two that you really wanted to talk about. And I think I'm just going to keep flaming this genre because apparently it's what I do at this point. Mm -hmm. I think that the first two, it's kind of just indicative of the genre they're in because I don't think good loot exists in the genre. And that's Destiny and Borderlands. I, I Destiny and Borderlands to me have the the thing where most of the gear is boring, and then occasionally you get something cool. If that makes sense, like what that stupid, what's the name of the stupid gun I was using in Destiny? I can't remember now. Witherhorde. Yeah, Witherhorde. Like Witherhorde's sweet. Like that was nice, but that's like a rare exception. I find most weapons in the game are just like you could just shoot bullet at thing. Unique, unique things in the in games like that are cool. Borderlands 2 does. I mean, Borderlands as well. There are two games in that series, at least. I got to stop doing that. <laughs> um, have have like unique guns in them, but they're not 
prevalent enough to keep the action going and making it interesting. At least in Destiny, you can break down weapons and upgrade something you find fun and keep using it, which does help with gear progression. But then at the same time, you're just using the same weapon for 100 hours, too. So it's kind of a toss up. Yeah, I think that the system in Destiny has its upsides. Mm-hmm. I think that being able to keep a gear, a gun that you like and not being forced into using something you don't is a good thing. But then my issue with Borderlands is I think that the game and we've talked about this a little bit before when we talked about these like kind of infinite looter shooters and like infinite loot games of the gear doesn't actually change what you're doing. No. At the end of the day, if you're playing Borderlands, regardless of what gun you have equipped, you're going to aim down your sights, you're going to shoot for the head, and that's it. Yeah. There's no actual gameplay changing by changing your weapon. You're just doing the same thing. Where There, there are other games that do do that a little bit, but it's still something that I, that I think you definitely get delved into more, which we'll get into a few yeah. games to do it a little bit. Destiny's definitely a little bit ahead of Borderlands on that, in my opinion, because you have things like the Warmind cells and like charged with light mods and things like that. But that comes a lot more from like the later game, uh, like modifications and stuff you can acquire, apply to your gear. But it's just like the shooter issue. It's very hard to give you two guns and have what you're supposed to do them actually be meaningfully different. And I think that both of these games kind of suffer for that from that. Whereas the last game on our list, uh, World of Warcraft, as kind of this blanket, this has gear, it kind of just exists. Mm. I think Modern WoW gear's really boring in. I agree. It is. Because Modern WoW is just governed by, like, your item level. And you just go out and grind for gear and look for the next thing that has a higher item level and slightly better stats. But there's no, there's no, like, piece of gear. If that makes sense. Like one thing I like about destiny, one thing I like in MMOs is when in destiny you have your exotic, it's the same. Like that exotic is always that exotic. And I think that's really cool. Whereas in wow, modern wow, at least you don't have that because you have these like randomized stats on all items, which allows the gear to be grinded for more. Like it inflates the playtime of the game, but winds up being in my opinion, less interesting. It is. And Really, this goes for most games right now, like even roguelike games, there's a lot that are just like you pick up thing, it has higher stats, you do it. Um, you know, loop heroes like randomized, but it is just stat things. Um, D- Dungeon Defenders is just stats. There's just a lot of games that are just like, what level are you? What level is this item? Okay, it's better. Put it on. And it's, yeah, and I it's actually, not as interesting. The reason I think WoW is actually interesting is I actually, from playing Classic, I think gear was done a lot better in Classic. Yeah. So I think this is a game that's actually gone downhill in this aspect because from playing Classic, I really enjoyed the fact that your raid drops were always the same. So you were looking for this item from this raid and whoever had it, you knew that they had it and you knew exactly what it did. There was no like randomization in there. There was no nothing like that. It was very clear and it gave you something cool because when you got to if you saw someone who was using one of these legendary weapons or something like that you knew exactly what it was and it also you could see it like Mm. like their thunder fury hangs on their belt or something like that which i actually think is really cool in a game like that yeah that is kind of lost in modern wow and there are you get things like transmog which are benefits to that but it just it's a give and take so and borderlands is the problem where technically you can go 
farm a boss for their boss weapon, but because the drop rate is so low, it makes it much less interesting than something like Classic WoW where you know you can go get it. Borderlands is just like, yes, you can do this, but it might take you 10 times killing the same stupid thing over and over and over and over again to make it actually drop. And like, that's the but, thing. No, you go ahead. I think the thing with Borderlands is even if you get the drop, isn't it still randomized? It is still randomized. That's one of the things that I like about WoW is that it's not in Classic. Yeah. There are items that have a 1% drop chance off of a boss. So there's like, uh, there's a weapon, I'm pretty sure, in one of the dungeons, like level 60 dungeons, that has like a 1% or less drop chance from a specific boss. So only the final boss in this dungeon drops it, and it drops it 1% of the time. But it's always the exact same when you get it. Yeah. And it has like a unique model, so you could, like it looks unique and that's actually really cool to me mm. and i think in the games that are mmos that do have that social aspect to them i really think that that adds a lot to them yeah and it's interesting too there's there's a lot of other games that have unique equipment in that that are mmos um just briefly like uh fallout dragon age those kind of games have unique items that are in certain areas that make it kind of fun because i know where yeah. i can go get to the thing and it makes it the world feel a little bit more alive to me where I can be like, hey, this item's here. Like the big boy in Fallout was the modified um Fat Man. And that gun is that gun was really fun. I actually really like that in Fallout because it's just the most chaotic, ridiculous thing. It takes you a long time to get it, but there actually is an endpoint to where you will get the thing and it's not stat rolled. Yeah. And I, I really like it when these games have the dependency on the location. Mm. Where a item can feel like it's tied to a location where I think destiny lost that a lot with so much of the loot being drawn from a world loot table now. Yeah. And it's, and it's one of those old gaming conventions. It's been around for a long time. Like this item is here. You can go get it, which like Metrovania games started doing that. Right. Like things like old Zelda games had like Goron sword is here. Go get it. Go break it off into a toothpick. Then you can go fix it and then you can have it. And, you know, Hollow Knight does the same kind of thing where it's like, this item is here. You can go get it. Which Yeah, I really like this kind of progression system where it takes rather than giving you like a linear progression, you have kind of an open world where you can go and find items and different items open up new pathways to take. Yeah. And I think Hollow Knight is probably the best game we've seen it doing that. Mm -hmm. I feel like it where, learned a lot. Yeah, you go and once you get the Mothwing cloak pretty much, pretty much, or if you're specifically trying to like abuse things, you can do a lot of things before the Mothwing cloak. But once you get your dash, the whole world kind of just opens and you can go wherever, which I just think is really cool. It is. And it's the fact that game has areas that you can go to branching paths. So some people get different things earlier and you can kind of cheese your way through things or there's like the more straightforward path that you go on if you're not trying to like do any tricky jumps or anything that has a different level of how your gear progresses in the game and when you unlock abilities. It makes it really fun. Yeah, like our first playthrough of Hollow Knight, we played through that game completely differently in order. Mm -hmm. Like we did things in almost a completely different order after Green Path. We did pretty much nothing at the same time, which is really cool for a game like that where nothing's technically changing, but you can just come to two different conclusions. Yeah. It also, these games, a little bit outside of the games themselves, but when you look at games like this, games like your old style Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, Wind Waker, as well as things like Hollow Knight, 
You also get community made randomizers, which mm. I think are really interesting. I, I like I've watched a lot of them and things like that, where you have something like an Ocarina of Time randomizer where you have to kind of refigure out the order to go through the game because you don't know what items you're going to have where. Yeah. And that's just a really cool added benefit to this style of game. That isn't necessarily part of the game itself, but is something that people have started to do, which I think is really cool. Yeah, it gives us a little bit of second life. It shows how sweet some of those games were designed in the first place, that randomizers are something you can do like that. And it's definitely something I'd be interested in. I have not done one of those yet, but I've watched a few now, and they're pretty cool. Yeah. And then it's like there's things, too, that have other systems to them, too. Like, like God of War is one that we've talked about a lot, and that's one of those games that, like, gear is in it for the sake of being in it, it almost feels like, but it, but because it's not supposed to be the focus and it does a good job of being in the background while still influencing your game. And it still gives you something to strive for, right? Like, yeah, for sure. Like God of War is what, like three years old now. So like, this, it's not really a spoiler, but there are later stages in that game with like Nilfheim where like that armor is insanely powerful, but it takes a long time to get it. You know where it is, you know how to get it. And it's rewarding. It's extremely mm-hmm. rewarding to get that oh, whole yeah. armor set. And then it makes getting other stuff in the maze even easier. Which is really cool. You know, I think... Yeah. I think that God of War also did mm-hmm. a really good job with, like, their sockets. Because they gave you, basically, like, enchantments to put on your armor. Mm-hmm. Which adds to, like, being able to mix and match and having a little bit of character choice. Where you can go for a little bit of a strength-heavier build or different stats and... Even though there aren't necessarily a ton of skills that change according to that, it still affects how you play a little bit. Yeah. And I noticed, especially on playing that game on Give Me God of War, you kind of had to play towards your strengths because if you didn't, things just totally annihilated you. Yeah. And to be honest, like Final Fantasy VII Remake with the material system has a very similar thing where like, yeah, there's not like a ton of options in the game, but there's a lot of modifications to the gear you have on. And similarly, when you're playing that game on hard mode, you have to play like you're playing on hard mode or you die. The game is too designed to not give you HP or MP back. Except for like very certain chapter checkpoints. You actually need to create a loadout that sustains you through hard mode, which is really cool. It makes the game feel a lot different. Just like God of War did on Give Me God of War, where you have to play like you're playing on that difficulty. It's pretty cool. Yeah, and I think I think the materia system was really interesting because mm. it gave you a lot of options in your gear. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing for these kind of games that is a big deal and adds a lot of points to them and makes them a lot more enjoyable is where you could, in the remake, I haven't played the original, but in the remake you could attach like a, I forget, is it called an elemental materia? Yeah. And it would make it so that if you had one of the linked materia slots, your basic attacks on that character had part, like the elemental damage attached to them and things like mm-hmm. that, which stuff like that is so cool. And so I found myself in the late game, like switching between stuff constantly to try and make sure that I had like elemental bonuses and things like that to different enemies. Cause yeah. that's just was really enjoyable and a ton of fun to me. Yeah. No, I think the game was really good. Just, Final Fantasy's material system is hard to match in its uniqueness like that. And God of War did have a similar feel to it, but Final Fantasy, I think, definitely goes that further step forward. And there are unique play styles available in that game, which is really nice. Which 
speaking of unique playstyles, so you're going to have to go educate everybody and me a little bit on XCOM. Yeah, so XCOM, we talked about all the tactics games last week, mm -hmm. talking about how good we think they do character progression. And I wasn't aware of this, but you don't think that tactics or Felseal do a very good job of gear because they're kind of just stat sticks. Gear is stat sticks. Your, your loadout of your character abilities is way more important than your actual gear. Gear in that game is only gated by money and story progression in, the, in that style of okay. game. So as you get further yeah. into the story, it'll unlock better gear for you. And really, you grind for money, you buy the highest stats, and you go with it. The only time you really need to care about your gear and uniqueness is stuff if you have ranged classes that need a high jump to get height advantage. Or things like archers, that's really important. And then just other little minor things like that. But it comes down to more of a spreadsheet thing more than a playstyle thing. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you are using X class, you should go for X thing. Um, Felseal feels a little better about this, to be honest, than Tactics did. I feel like the gear in Felseal is a little bit more open to what you want to use. Tactic, Tactics is stat sticks. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, Excalibur's fun to use in that game, but it's also super broken. And that game gets really easy when you get all the max items. Yeah. So XCOM... The only real, like, stat stick item is you have your armor, which you can get, like, better sets of armor, which basically give your character more HP. But those take up what's called a utility slot. Yeah. And then your weapons, which you can upgrade your weapons to get better. So, basically, mm. when, you, when you come across certain items, you can do a research to try and research the upgraded weapon. When the research is done, you then have to craft them. So there's actually like a cost to getting upgraded weapons, at least in Long War, which is, I think, the way that you should play that game. So that's what this is going to be based off of. And that allows then, that's basically where your stat sticks come in. But then you have these utility item slots where you can equip armor, you can equip med kits, you can equip grenades, you can equip uh, exosuits, you can equip all these different things that all take the same slot. So it's very much a choice and you have to kind of mix and match and balance what it is. So... So you'll have to choose, do I want my gr grenadier having another grenade or a flashbang? Yeah. Or do I want him to take this suit or this suit? So, for example, when you first start getting to the point where exosuits are unlocked, you get two suits, one of which has, like, blast protection and armor on it and has an extra grenade slot, and the other one of which gives you access to a grappling hook ability and increases your movement. So different classes will want different things. And if you're... Well, some classes are really clear-cut. Like a Grenadier, you're going to want having the heavy-duty suit. Mm -hmm. And a Sniper, you're going to want having the grappling hook. Something like a Ranger, you'd think, okay, I want the increased mobility, but Rangers are also up in the front line, so they're a lot more susceptible to damage, so maybe you want the bonus resistances from the other suit. And that leads towards being really interesting. And you have a lot of choices and a lot of different things to make on your uh, decisions to make on your characters, as well as... In Long War, you're always having to manage more characters than you have gear. Yeah. So it's always choosing where your gear goes because you never hit the point where you just have everything. Yeah. And then the last thing that they do is they add weapon augments. So you have your weapon and then you can attach scopes, extended mags, uh, free reloads, stocks, laser sights. And so for those items, which are you get them 
through drops on enemies and you have to like pick them up on missions. They all want different play styles, which is what I really like in my gear and in my armor is when my gear actually helps determine what I'm best at versus just being a flat stat increase across the board. Which is cool. It makes the game more fun in that way. It makes it more dynamic, right? Like even as silly as this sounds, it's something that I still kind of enjoy about Call of Duty. That sounds weird, but gear loadouts in that game, the fact that the different scopes you have aren't strictly better. They're just different. A lot of them, I think makes that game really fun. And like something like XCOM, which is more my playstyle than Call than uh, Call of Duty, which like I like first person shooters actually quite a bit. I am just not as good at them as other people, so I cannot play them online like that in a competitive setting. I get destroyed because I play too many different games, and it's not what I do all the time. I used to be Call of Duty kid, but I'm not anymore. I, but I respect I, I respect why people like that, but I'm just not doing it anymore right now, you know? But things like that where, like, you have a limited amount of slots, and you need to figure out what you want in those slots is really interesting. And I realized XCOM had such has such a resource deficit in XCOM, which is cool. You don't, you can't just get everything, which in something like a tactics game, yes, you could just grind and get everything. It doesn't matter. Where an XCOM has a ticking timer on it. And it's like, you have to figure out what you're doing. One thing I do actually really like about XCOM when compared to these traditional tactics games is there is no option to sit there and grind. Mm Mm-hmm. It literally isn't something you can do. You can do missions, but every time you do a mission, something happens. And so it never feels like you're just grinding lower level or easier weapons to try and have anything happen. You're just actually fighting for this other stuff, right? So. Well, it's good. And so there's a few things. Um... There's a few things we have to get into here, and I feel like this is going to be a big bulk of what we're talking about, because I think this is more or less when games do this correctly, if that makes sense. Yeah, So, and the first one we have, I haven't played either of these games, yeah. so this one's on you. Okay, so, th- so this one's easy, though, because they're both the same game in like a different way, right? Which is Cyberpunk and Deus Ex, which is something I don't hear a lot of people talking about. Deus Ex is Cyberpunk very much, right? It is a Cyberpunk-inspired game with augmenting on your character. There's a little physical augments you put onto a character and that's kind of the theme of it, right? But the interesting thing about these is is the uniqueness of progression because you can only have, say, like one augment on your legs, one in your arms, and it, it massively affects play style. And a lot of these things in these games are very expensive. Cyberpunk's progression system costs so much money to make changes you have to really mean it when you go to upgrade something kind of like an XCOM too, right? There's a lot of goes into actually acquiring these things. Like I spent, I think around my first 10 or 15 hours of cyberpunk, making sure I could get the Mantis blades that were in one of the trailers, which is just like the blades that come out of your arms. But now I don't have to worry about melee weapons anymore because the blades are really jacked up and do like shit loads of damage. (laughs) <laughs> and it is fun, too, because the game actually gives you unique animations when you're using them. So your gear actually gives you unique animations to where, like, you stab somebody and like lift them up into the air Wolverine style. And it's it's really cool that the, your gear also just affects, you know, some of the entertainment factor of the game, too. And Cyberpunk also has a lot of skill points in it. Like, 
an incredibly large skill tree in it that you really have to make calculated decisions and skill trees really synergize with each other. Um, an example of this is like there's a cold blood skill that literally wants you to be a cold blooded murderer, but there's actually two different sections of it. One that's more based on um, being agile and staying in combat and the other one's more being stealthy and your gear complements that in a cool way. There's, yeah. there's silencers in the game and stuff like that. And it's just, these games just feel really fun to me in the fact that their gear allows you to play in a lot of different ways, especially because sniper rifles for once in one of those kinds of games actually one hit people, even though it's like an RPG. Because usually when you get outside of the first person shooter Call of Duty style game, you get into RPG games, everything's just a bullet sponge. So something like a sniper rifle in your loadout is pointless because, you know, it doesn't do enough damage to kill anything. So things will just run at you. Which I really like about that. And Deus Ex is a similar thing to where you need to invest points into your gear and spend money on your gear to enable your stealth style or your, you know, bloody rampage style. And I kind of like that about those games. It's it's just something I want to mention before we get into the deeper ones, like Monster Hunter and Diablo, where your armor set is your character. Where in these, it feels like a step up from other games where it's part of your character. You know, Cyberpunk is more so, yes, it is a large part of your character. Monster Hunter Diablo, it is your character, which is cool. <clears throat> so... Why don't, we, why don't we do Monster Hunter and Diablo kind of as a whole? So you want to start us off on Monster Hunter? Sure. I think the thing that really sets these two games apart is set skills. And yeah. I think I think one of my favorite things about Monster Hunter is there is no character progression in this mm -hmm. game. There is only gear progression. But because of the way the game is, it feels like you progress your character, if that makes sense. Yeah. So while you're doing something, you're just getting better at it. And that has this effect where even though your character never levels up, it feels like they do because you're better at what you're doing and you start to learn enemies' attack patterns and things like that. So it feels very natural yeah. for the progression of how the character gets better. And then the armor sets are super interesting and extremely extremely compelling to work with. And I think the big reason for that is because they have set skills. So there's a lot of armor sets where you, if you have two pieces on, you'll get this bonus. If you have four pieces on, you'll get this bonus. If you have five pieces on, you'll get this bonus. And so I know for myself, cause I was playing the bow in that game, which has a really high amount of elemental damage. There was a set skill on a specific set of armor in low rank that allowed your elemental damage to crit yeah. which is effectively like a it's a massive damage increase on bow because of how big of a chunk of your damage is elemental so when we started playing iceborne which is the dlc i like put off using high tiered armor with like really high defense values because it would gut my damage so much because i didn't then have access to this skill no because the the <clears throat> items in in master rank that had the skill were later on in the game and that's just so cool where you have this point where maybe there is four, the, maybe there's a four set bonus that you want. So then you have to take a look and be like, okay, I'm wearing four armor pieces from this set. Which armor piece not from this set am I wearing? Yeah. 
and you can you can fit that piece with any armor in the game there's like there's a couple like there's a leg piece that just has a ton of uh deco slots so you can slot in a whole bunch of random abilities into it so like maybe you want to round it out with that one so you have the most customization maybe you specifically want like three points of this skill that this headpiece has and it just winds up being super compelling and you just want to mix and match things because of this and this got even greater with uh iceborne when one of the boss monsters came out safi jiva mm. because you could add something to her weapons that made them count as one of the armor types yeah and just through our time playing monster hunter that game has such unique replayability to it through the fact that you can replay the game on the same character you're already playing, just change your armor and weapons. Like you, you can replay, you can restart that game by literally just changing your gear and the weapon you're using. And it feels like you're playing a new game because that's how gear works in that game. And it's just incredible. The fact that all gear is made just through hunting too, right? Like gear customization, when you can make your own things in games, like literally like say Skyrim or Oblivion style, where you can literally just make your own items is really bad in my opinion in games because you can break games when you, when you do that, right? Where Monster Hunter is, yes, you can make your own stuff and you make all your own gear, but this is what it is. And then the mix and matching of it is... It's pretty unparalleled. Diablo does a very similar thing, but Monster Hunter does a better job of making the game feel unique every single time you play it based on what gear loadout you have. Like, going from bow for you to longsword is it's like playing a different game. You're playing some, like, third-person, you know, middle, you know, middle-range kind of combat game. And then you switch to like a long sword and all of a sudden you're in, you're an anime protagonist or something. And then you switch over to like the guns in that game. And then all of a sudden you're just playing some kind of like tactical shooter. And that's what made Monster Hunter so good. Such an incredible game where the, the lesser version of that is Diablo, which has the same thing in it with sets that sets have a, a bonus based on how many pieces of said set you have on. There's also items in the game that let you fudge it. There's a ring that lets you have one less piece of a gear set on to get the next tier of bonus. So it's a minimum two, but and if you want to get like a four bonus off of something, you only want the fourth item bonus. You could put the ring on and then you only need three. But that's also huge. So you're using a gear slot up on this ring. And, that, and like it really matters that you you're using this and there are builds in that game that do not use set bonuses like high tiered season you know leaderboard people that are just like i don't need set bonuses i'm using all these unique pieces of gear that don't have set bonuses and they're great and other people are like no this this gear sets like the best thing and for me too like i have two different wizards in that game and then they added gear sets into it thank god so you can switch gear on a fly but things that like you get to the point in that game where you're just like, oh, I like this thing on fire because if this is gear set, now everyone has a higher chance to crit it. And then you're like, oh, I got the next piece of that gear set. So now it like literally burns for 2% of its health per second indefinitely because the burn crits and then resets it and it just keeps critting it and it lasts for forever. And that's the thing that Monster Hunter and Diablo both have going for them is you have this crazy 
deep progression system that builds and compounds upon itself so that nothing like gets thrown in the trash in that way even in monster hunter like there are items that are better than other items but they build out of those items you start off with this cruddy iron sword in Monster Hunter, and then it builds into this sword, into this sword, into this sword. And then you have all these question marks on your sheet, and you're like, I haven't seen these monsters yet. And the gear drives the motivation to play the game forward. Just like Diablo does that for me, is that like, yeah, I want this new piece of gear that came out. I am going to go find it. And the difference between the two, though, is that Diablo is literally grind your face off until you it drops. Monster Hunter is, no, go kill, you know, Rathalos until you get what you want or, you know, any monster like that, right? And I think that's what makes those games really, really well, good. Unless we're talking about Mighty Bojules. Just because Mighty Bojules drop for me all the time and the game decides that it hates you, just like every game does that has random drops in it. I, I, don't, I don't think anyone's gonna ever really just enjoy that as much as i do because i'm always the lucky bastard just like how i always have more experience than you for no reason in games and we never know why <laughs> what a savant yeah these these games are unparalleled if you want a game that has real gear progression in it that feels good monster hunter and diablo i can recommend both of them and they will be good to different people. If you really like Dark Souls and you haven't played Monster Hunter, what's what's wrong with you? Like, those games are as hard as Dark Souls is, if not harder, and have this super rewarding gear progression system in them. To where, like, if you like sitting back, like, way back in your chair, like, back like this, playing, like, this far from your screen, then Diablo is perfect for you because that's a really chill game. Like, until you get really deep in, it's chill. And even then, you just... You stun lock people like that's all or, you know, you just constantly whirlwind on a barbarian while dropping other things. So you just have like a a program that you're basically inputting on your character to grind, you know, and so it's very two different experiences that both do this gear thing really, really well. But they, they're very different games, though, right? So, you know, you might gravitate for, towards one other than the other. I don't know. Do you have anything else you want to say about those two? I mean, <clears throat> I think just on Monster Hunter itself, as someone who I played through pretty much the whole game with bow, mm -hmm. and then I did some like grinding with bow gun because it was like really efficient. And then once you guys kind of bounced off it a little bit, I went and I played longsword and charge blade and hammer and all these other ones. The game feels like a completely different game with every weapon. It does. The game feels like literally 14 different games. And even like, some of the builds within your weapon feel completely different as well. You For can sure. have like, you can have a longsword build that wants you to like spam one attack, or you can have a longsword build that wants you to like use a different attack. And they actually like play differently because that's what you're working around. And just everything about it, just the gear is absolutely insane and gives you this like absolutely incredible level of customizability that allows you to play the game multiple times as you said through the same character yeah and you're not like locked out of doing anything ever you can do everything on one character and then when we were playing as a group of four everyone wanted something different you like at the start you were playing charge blade uh one of our buddies was playing longsword another was playing hunting horn and i was playing bow so we all wanted to farm different monsters mm -hmm. 
which is just like really cool that all these monsters you're like well we all want different things and we were playing as a group of us so we like would like basically cycle through what we were doing but that's so cool that you build this game that has all these monsters and it's not just like every person wants to grind the same thing and yes once you get to the super late game sets wind up like converging a lot more but as you're going through the game if you're just trying to do it by like your own intuition it's very unique and you have to like jump between things a lot and it's a very different experience for every single weapon yeah and that is and like you said within weapons there is a lot of change in what you want look like bow like the bow guns in that game have so much depth to them and it's it's just like are you do you want to play a shotgun a sniper rifle a freaking artillery cannon that's the kind of change that just one bow gun has it's amazing well yeah like if you're playing heavy bow gun like heavy bow gun spread is you have to be up close and personal mm -hmm. and then pierce is you want to stand back and get like your long shots through as much of the monster as possible Cluster, you're literally playing an artillery cannon. Which is amazing. <laughs> sticky bomb, sticky bombs, like, if you're playing sticky, you're effectively, like, shooting plasma grenades at mm. the enemy. Like, there's so much difference in there. And even in bow, like, well, the optimal, like, the optimal way to play is with, like, your dash dancing, where you're constantly dashing between and comb combining your two different types of shots. There's also, like, dragon piercer. And thousand dragons and all these different things that have their place and you can build around. Yeah. It's just that game, everything it does is incredible. Yeah. And, and I know when Rise comes out, we're going to have a standalone episode about Rise, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, do you want to say anything else about gear before we uh, go reinstall Monster Hunter World? Uh, No, I think I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm good, too. You know, it's just... Man, there's some good games out there. Monster Hunter World is definitely one of those best games when it comes to gear. You yeah. know what? Yeah. I'm, do we do we agree? So... Do we agree on that? Monster Hunter World is the best game for gear that we've ever played? Yes. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Yeah. I think I'm very interested just on that Rise topic because Monster Hunter was a very big departure from... Or, sorry world was mm -hmm. a very big departure from traditional monster hunter games and so it made a lot of changes and i think some things people didn't like some things people did and now rise is supposed to be going back to a lot more of the traditional monster hunter things because yeah. they actually have two different teams now is my understanding so they have one team working on the rise line and one team working on the world line and i'm very interested to see what they've taken from world and brought back to rise yeah. And what they'll take forward from world to the next one. Cause I don't think everything monster hunter world did was perfect, but it made some massive improvements on this series. I think. Yeah. Well, we'll be there when it comes out grinding away. Well, should we head on out? <sighs> yeah. I think we're all good to go. Hell yeah. Well, go enjoy your games. Go enjoy your life. Go get some gear. I'm going to go find my watch and Michael's going to make fun of me until I do. <laughs> oh, until next week. This has been, of course, low average gaming with Mr. I can't find my watch. <laughs>